you are now about to experience the revive effect. I'm your host, Matt Celestio, and if you want to learn to master your mind, get the body you want, and create the life you've always wanted to live, you are in the right place. At Revive, my mission is to create a better way of living for our generation by challenging the current ways we live every day. And in each episode, I bring you a radically different approach to fat loss, a fresh perspective on life, and a new way of living to help you get to where you truly want to be in life. So kick back and let's jump into it. Welcome to The Revive Effect. You live in a generation that believes calories are the holy grail to getting healthy, right? Calories in, calories out, track your points, your macros, put your meals into an app. And we believe that just because someone is slim means they're healthy. We fear carbs like the devil. We are we are so infatuated with this need for more protein. We're obsessed with finding the optimal weight, reps and sets to lose weight fast and build our glutes and get super jacked. And I feel your pain because this is one of the most confusing, overwhelming things that we have done around this space of health. It feels ridiculously confusing just trying to find legit good advice to simply get healthy. And this is where you can really feel helpless, powerless and lost. And hey, look, sometimes I'm in this space. I'm in the health and wellness space. And sometimes this these things really confuse me as well. So I can't even imagine how much frustration and anguish that you must be going through just to find out, you know, can I eat some bread? Can I eat some bread? Who knows? But that's the whole intention behind our podcast today. I want to help you break free from the veil of marketing gimmicks, social media fitness, and the nutrition quick fixes that you're bombarded with every day. And I want you to put the power of your health back into your hands. And I really want to show you how health can truly be simple, sustainable, and actually enjoyable, right? This This means for getting healthy shouldn't feel like a chore. And that's why the first step towards doing this and understanding how it can be enjoyable and the first step of your journey begins with education, understanding how food and movement, sleep and stress and how they all affect your body. And again, that's why our programs here at Revive are so unique. All right. We don't just tell you to do stuff and then you do it. You don't just follow. Okay. We actually educate you and we teach you how to adapt all of the learnings and all of the tactics to you so that you can build health into your lifestyle, make sure that it feels enjoyable. And it's uh, number one, most importantly, it's unique to you. We want it to be unique to you. This isn't some cookie cutter BS program where you put your calories into an app, put your height, and then they say, all right, this is how much you're going to be able to eat a day. Don't eat more than that. Don't eat less than that and have fun. So like if you're interested, by all means, I'm going to do the quick sell thing. Just click the link in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this too. Take a look over to our website. If you're looking for a radically new way to lose weight, improve your health, improve your digestion. We put a lot of heart and soul into these programs. So again, check that out if you think you'd be a good fit. Now, again, this podcast is designed to give you a taste of exactly what we Revive Insiders, we teach in our programs. But again, we want you to have action from this podcast. We want you to take the information that my guest and I are going to speak about so you can have better daily choices as well. So ready to dive in. I want I want to ask you a question, okay? If we are all following this great advice on social media from influencers, we're listening to the government health recommendations and all these other, you know, highly influential people, answer me this. Answer me this. Why in 2021 was the estimated medical cost associated with obesity 
Why did it reach $173 billion? Why did it reach that, right? We're all following this good advice. Should be $0 on that spend, right? Not zero, but again, it should be much lower. And I think we can agree on that. But in essence, I want to take it a step further. There was a quote from The Atlantic, and I'm going to read it verbatim from the actual article. Chronic diseases like diabetes and cardiovascular disease continue to rise at alarming rates. Rates that threaten the healthcare system ill-prepared to deal with the prolonged debilitating conditions. All right, our generation is not set up for health. And I think you and I can agree on that because you take one step out the door or you just open your eyes for the day, we realize there is fast food accessible on every corner. Heck, if you can't make it there, we'll deliver it right to your door. We'll deliver it right to your door. You don't even need to get up. And on top of this, we are just indoctrinated with these quick fix, radically restrictive diets, sedentary lifestyles, sleep deprivation, overstimulation, and plus we just throw stress and anxiety into this on a daily basis. It tells me, it sounds like it's not a recipe for health. Now, I don't want to sound bleak and I don't want to sound negative, but there's one common denominator among all of these things in your generation that are causing these problems. And that common denominator is you. And not you in a bad way. I'm not saying you are the problem. I'm saying you hold the power to either buy into these very things that deteriorate your health, and you actually hold the power to break free and become educated around elevating your health in a simple, sustainable, and enjoyable way. And again, this all starts with educating yourself and how health can truly be this sustainable, understandable, enjoyable approach. And that's why today, to dive into this topic, I'm so excited to have a longtime friend of mine, Jasmine Musa, on the show today. She is actually one of the highest achievers and go-getters I've ever met in my life. And she's such an inspiration to me personally whenever we connect. And she always gives the best advice on anything, especially health and lifestyle. She's very smart on this topic. And on top of all this, she is a certified fitness instructor. She's a community builder and a sustainability consultant at the world-renowned company IBM. So as a fitness instructor, Jasmine's mission is to continue growing a health and wellness community that extends far beyond physical activity. It incorporates aspects of personal development, spirituality, and mindset. And personally, I've attended so many of her park workouts, her studio workouts, and they're fantastic. They blow me out of the water every time. And again, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes where you can check her out and maybe attend one yourself. I encourage you. I seriously encourage you to check those out. Uh, I, as a sustainability consultant, her mission is to help businesses transform sustainability ambition into action by leveraging the right people, the processes, and technology. And on top of all this, I, I know Jasmine is a very accomplished girl and it shows in her resume by all means. She is an IBBA grad from the prestigious Schulich School of Business. She has developed a fitness community with 40 plus members in as little as 12 weeks. She completed over 14 certifications in wellness, business, and tech since 2020. She's volunteered twice internationally, uh, once in Cambodia, once in Peru. She served as a team leader in the Canadian program, which helped 10,000 small business owners and artists build Shopify stores during the pandemic to help them get online, get their businesses off the ground, and again, make more impact in the community. And with a nice cherry on top, she is the recipient of the Jane M. Klausman Women in Business Scholarship and the Tana H. Schulich Scholarship and Governor General's Academic Medal. Whew, what a mouthful. Let me tell you, she's fantastic, and I'm so grateful to have her on the show to pick her brain, hear her insights, and again, share this moment with you, our beautiful, beautiful listeners. 
And it's really great because Jasmine actually got me into nutrition and health. So it's really cool to see her get on my show to talk about literal health. So what you can expect today in this episode for you personally is we're going to look at Jasmine's near-death experience and how to start your health journey right, right from the beginning. Then we're going to dive into how to over, how to stop overcomplicating health. We're going to break free from the quick fix culture that we're in every day. And we're going to look at the simple secrets towards lasting health. And then finally, to wrap up, we're going to look at the simple steps to build into your life to start elevating your weight loss, your body, and as always, your health. Again, we got so much great conversation coming up, so let's dive right in. Jasmine, thank you for coming on the show. Oh, that was such a kind introduction. Thank you so much, Matt, and the community. I'm so, so excited to be here and share what I've learned with you all, so thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to dive in today. Um, and it's really great to have you on the show because, again, I tell everybody, you actually got me into the nutrition, into the health, and you actually kind of knew the knowledge before I did, right? Mm. So it's really great to have you on the show. All right, life is all about contrast, right? You can't know rich if you haven't been poor. Mm. You can't know happiness unless you've been sad, or you can't know tired unless you felt energized, right? It's all about that yin and the yang. And even, even with food, again, you can't appreciate it until you go without it for two days or you do fasting, right? Uh, and I believe the very same is true about health. And you can't really understand what real health is until you've been unhealthy, until you've been in a poor state of, you know, whether it's neglect for your sleep, whether it's stress, whether it's, again, going through a sickness. And that's, again, why I want to ask you this. And I know you've had this perspective and it illuminated itself for you in the form of a near-death experience. And again, it's an experience from which you bounce back stronger and you actually launched on the path towards real health. So can you just walk us through that journey? Oh my gosh, where do I even begin? So in the intro, you mentioned that I went to Cambodia, which was a really great experience for me. Um, and I did it with school. So it was a part of a university, or sorry, a high school experience actually. I went with about 12 girls and it was a solidarity mission. So when I got back from this trip, it was really a fat experience for me to dissect. Um, we saw poverty, we saw people living with barely any food. We saw people really, really struggling. But basically, I was challenged with this task of taking all of this knowledge back with the girls that I went with and then integrating what I learned into my daily life. So it was something I really struggled with and I felt like I wasn't able to fully feel out that experience because it just had so many raw and powerful emotions. So I came back from Cambodia with kind of that, that baggage on my shoulders, if you will. And in addition to that, um, I had this procedure lined up to get my wisdom teeth removed. Around the exact same time that I was going under this procedure to get my wisdom teeth removed, getting back from Cambodia, I lost a grandparent. I also had exams going on, so just overall, like my stress levels and just my mental state of well-being wasn't in the best place. But nonetheless, I was in this grind culture. I was in this state of like just wanting to get things done. I had a little window of time where I was off school. So I figured, I know the timing isn't great. There's a lot going on in my life, but let's just do this. Let's just get this wisdom teeth procedure out of the way. So I went, got my wisdom teeth removed, and it's a very basic operation. Literally so many people get their wisdom teeth removed. And what happened was after the procedure, I just felt like something wasn't right. Okay, like you know your body best and that's the first snippet of wisdom I want 
all of your listen, listeners to take away from me today. You know your body best. So I felt that something was off, okay? So after the procedure, I was like, I don't know, doing all these Google searches, trying to figure out what's happening. And at one point I was actually convinced because I was in so much pain in my jaw area that they broke my jaw by accident during the procedure, mm. okay? Just to put it into perspective. I was on a lot of painkillers, which helped me kind of push off the fact that, you know, there was something wrong, kind of like didn't have to deal with it immediately. And I remember this day so vividly. I was at school and I just finished all of the painkillers that were given to me as part of the procedure. I'm in math class and it was third period. And typically I took two painkillers a day. It was one in the morning and then one around lunchtime. So I was in third period, it's after lunch. I had no more painkillers. And I was sitting in class and I just remember so much pain flooding over me. And I'm, I was typically at school like pretty stable, very happy-go-lucky, and I just started to cry in class. Like the pain in my jaw was just so unbearable. So one of my good friends drove me to the dentist, literally to like go and check out what was happening from school, skipped his third period and fourth period class. And I went in and I was trying to explain to them like there's something wrong, I'm in so much pain. And they just said, listen, like we're gonna take a look, we'll see what we can do, but we can tell you're in pain. So they went, they took a look, and they told me that there was nothing. Like it was just, if anything, a minor, minor infection, gave me some antibiotics, gave me more painkillers and sent me on my way. I knew something was wrong. Mm. You know your body best. So basically what happened was I, I decided, you know what, dentist doesn't really know what's up, let me try a doctor. So I went to my family doctor who was amazing and she actually um, presented me with a couple more solutions which were different variations of antibiotics. So we tried about three different strains. My stomach at this point, because I wasn't eating right, um, my jaw was very locked. I actually couldn't even fit a lot of the pills in my mouth anymore because my jaw was so tight and it would barely fit between my teeth. Um, I tried all of these antibiotics, none of them worked. Finally got sent to the hospital to do IV antibiotics. Didn't work. I had a home nurse for about a week. At this point, I'm not attending school, which was stressing me out even more. Grade 12 year, very high achiever, very ambitious. And then pretty much what happened was after this home nurse was with me for about a week, she's like, listen, this is beyond me. I've never really seen someone who's not recovering from direct antibiotics. And at this point, it had been about a month of me taking antibiotics, okay? And I know that you are very involved in gut health, so that is not pretty. That is not pretty. I wasn't even on pre or probiotics to help support my gut bacteria during a time where I was basically sending atomic bombs into my gut through these antibiotics. So pretty much what happened was I got sent to the hospital. They did an MRI scan. And after they did the scan, the doctor just looked at my mom and was like, what was your plan after this? Like, where were you planning to go? And she's like, I don't know, you tell me. And he's like, do not leave the hospital. We need to get your daughter in surgery immediately. So it turns out I had several, not one, not two, I think it was like five or six abscesses throughout my entire body and it was all beneath the gum surface. So the dentist wasn't wrong. You couldn't visibly see anything wrong other than the fact that I had severe inflammation. But besides that, you couldn't see the infection. It was all beneath my skin surface. So pretty much they had, um, they debated flying me to Etobicoke Hospital because they didn't have any room for me in the operating room. And they ended up having an operating room clear up. I was in Brampton at Brampton Civic. 
they did an emergency procedure on me and I don't know how long it lasted, but I was supposed to have this ginormous gash in my neck from them taking out all of the infection. I don't know how they do that, but people who are in science, if you know, you know. <laughs> so um, my surgeon was just a miracle worker. She actually um, figured out an innovative solution where she put like this like pump inside of me and it just continuously, after she put it in, it just continuously pumped infection out of my body for like two weeks after yeah and it was very innovative it was very innovative (laughs) because when i was at the hospital afterwards the nurses would like poke me and like wake me up and like be like can you open your mouth like i I just want to see and like all these nurses i was basically like uh this this like really cool thing on display at the hospital where everyone wanted to see what was going on in my in my jaw and in my mouth so yeah that's basically my story about getting sick and also getting better and then from there it was very uphill like my recovery journey but that didn't come without its pitfalls and without its struggles which i can touch more upon later you know what let's touch upon it now yeah i want to i want to hear about well this is right when you said okay i got to start actually taking health in my own hands let me recoup a little bit right yes so was it was it an easy going right from the start or was there a lot of hurdles right from the beginning oh my gosh it was tough from the beginning but i would say like the real impact didn't hit me until i was actually like returning to my normal life so obviously when you're in the hospital you don't feel good you know like that's just the reality of it but i remember when i got home um like all of a sudden i was eating my own food again for a while i had a feeding tube i was eating my own food again and i couldn't eat anything I used to like literally I felt like every single food I attempted to eat was causing inflammation was causing gut issues so like blueberries that is such a safe food like in what world are blueberries not safe I literally thought I was allergic to blueberries raspberries different kinds of meats different kinds of yogurt and I literally didn't know what to do I didn't know what to eat everything made me feel bad Mm -hmm. so um yeah that was basically my realization that something's wrong So pretty much I started doing some research and this is kind of how I got deeper into it. I was like, what is going on here? And I saw this thing online called leaky gut syndrome, okay? So I didn't know really much about it, but basically what they were saying is like, there's a couple of causes, but one of them could be antibiotic use. And I was like, literally I was on antibiotics for a month. Like this is probably it. So as you know, through your work, when you have antibiotics, it's basically Yes, it's capable of killing bad bacteria, but in the process, it kills good bacteria. That's just the reality of it. It's basically like sending an atomic bomb somewhere and it just wipes out everything. It doesn't select, you know, I'm gonna pick you, pick you, you're safe, you're not. No, it wipes out everything. So what I realized was the reason I wasn't able to process the foods that were safe to me before, were staples in my diet before, was because I literally didn't have the gut bacteria to help me do that. Mm. So then I got down this rabbit hole of how do I actually fix my gut? How do I actually get back to normal? How can I eat food and feel good again? That is, like think about it. We never think about food and being able to eat it and feel good as a privilege. It is such a privilege. It is such a privilege. And now that I've experienced the other side of things, like I just value nutrition in a way that's unparalleled. Mm. So I guess, I guess the start of your journey really started with that gut health, right? Mm-hmm. How did you know to focus on the gut health? Was it specifically because of the food sensitivities and things like that? Exactly. And it was my research. It just seemed like an efficient place to start. 
Mm, okay, so for the listeners right now who might have been in your place back then, they have no idea what the gut is, what it does, its influence. Can you just quickly define, like we've done an episode on this yeah. before, so I can link it in the show notes, but just quickly, so we're all on the same page, define what the microbiome is and its influence over our health. Oh my gosh, this is like one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm so happy you asked. So basically our gut, we learned this in school, there's like the small intestine, there's the large intestine, but what they failed to tell us was the fact that it is so much more than that. It is so much more than just these pipes that process our food and help bring it to our colon that help us basically excrete our waste. It's so much more. So your intestines and your gut is basically a big happy family called the microbiome. And I say big happy family because that's the most ideal case scenario, but sometimes that's not the case. So think about it kind of like a neighborhood, okay? So if your microbiome is comparable to a neighborhood, it has citizens, which is comparable to like bacteria, let's say. So in any neighborhood, you can have more good people or more bad people, just to keep it really simple. So more good bacteria or more bad bacteria. So basically, the foods that we eat either promote or do not promote this flourishing of good bacteria, okay? So if there's too many bad guys in a city, what happens? It not only drives the good guys out, but it also causes chaos. It wreaks havoc on what's happening in the community. If you have more good guys, what happens? The bad guys aren't really going to stick around, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like this competing force of good versus bad okay so the foods that we eat think about it if we're eating very highly processed foods i'm just going to throw out the very basic example of mcdonald's who just based on our very general knowledge here and our very foundational aspects of health who's going to prefer it the good guys or the bad guys Mm. the bad guys and like what's going to happen if we're making the bad guys happy we're giving them all of this great things that they love in the community. They're gonna grow, the population's gonna flourish. And then what's gonna happen? They're gonna overtake the population. Mm. So we have to be really careful with what we're inputting into our bodies because every decision we make, every piece of food we put in our mouth is basically determining whether or not we are supporting the good bacteria or the bad bacteria, the positive culture or the negative culture. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's a snippet about the microbiome. No, I love it. Yeah, and I love the neighborhood example. Again, because a lot of people just, when you get into the science of when people talk about the microbiome, it gets really confusing. Yes. So when you have that nice, tangible, concrete example, you go, oh, I get it now. This food is going to be good for my neighbors or bad for my neighbors. You know what I mean? Yes. So, okay, let's let's talk about this overgrowth of bad bacteria and good bacteria because again like you said you're on the antibiotic use that's a practice that again kills both teams but again also supports kind of a negative microbiome Mm. so what are some side effects that somebody might be experiencing right now saying oh maybe i do have an overgrowth of bad bacteria or maybe it's just in a state of dysbiosis oh my gosh you know if you know so I would say, actually, you know what? I said you know if you know, but that's actually not true. Mm. I would say the most obvious things that I personally experienced, kind of embarrassing, but I'm willing to be vulnerable with your listeners out here, really bad gas, like really irregular bowels, um, like just feeling bloated, feeling like discomfort. Like you should never, in my opinion, like it's normal to have bloating sometimes if you eat high fiber foods, whatever, but it shouldn't be a continuous thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I would say those are the obvious things. The things that are less obvious and more discreet and more hidden that your listeners need to know is it can even affect your mental health. 
So there's something that goes on in your body. It's called the gut-brain connection. It's literally, think about it like um, a communication wire between your gut and your brain. If your brain is happy, your gut is happy. If your gut is happy, your brain is happy. Okay? So if you have dysbiosis, so a state of irregularity in your gut, it affects your mental health. That could come in the form of depression. That could come in the form of anxiety. That can come in the form of anything, really, that relates to the brain. So for me, another thing that I was struggling with is just like, feeling unhappy and it was particularly in my own skin you know what i mean Mm. so that is something that you have to watch out for yes there are the very obvious side effects that are related to the gut and to digestion which is kind of cut and clear but there's also those side effects that affect your mental well-being as well Mm, i love that you said that and it's interesting you talked about the mental health thing because i just was diving into the psychobiotic revolution Mm. so it actually states that people with anxiety or kind of depression or those kind of mental illnesses almost 90 percent of the time they're struggling with digestive issues and i was at my um i don't want to say who it was but one of the people in my life i was at a an event where we were all hanging out and there was three girls there and they were all talking about their anxiety and this is the mor- the morning when i literally read that if you have anxiety you'll probably have a digestive issue depression you'll probably have a digestive issue and three for three of the girls all they had said two has anxiety one was like i struggle with a little bit of depression and they go I also suffer from severe constipation or diarrhea or bloating. Mm. And we neglect the fact that, you know, this microbiome is playing a huge part of that because you're decimating the gut bacteria that produces serotonin or melatonin that helps you sleep and rejuvenate and actually clean out the waste in your brain so you can feel sharper, clearer, more energized. So it's just really small things like that to understand that the, the food you're putting into your body every day can not only affect, again, when you go to the bathroom, of course, but you know, how's this affecting your relationships? How's this affecting your motivation to stay consistent with your health journey? You know what I mean? I want you to imagine yourself 12 weeks from right now. I want you to imagine yourself fitter, healthier, happier, more energized and more confident than you've ever been in your life. Now, what does that look like for you? How do you feel? How do you look? What are the things that you're doing day to day? And when I want you to picture this, I want you to understand that this, what you're imagining is capable and is in grasp of your very hands. And again, you hold the power to do exactly that. Now, I want to show you how we can do this. And I want to read a testimonial from our client, Carm, who I want to highlight in the spotlight because she had such amazing results in a revived nutrition Kickstarter weight loss program. So listen to this. In her first 10 days with using our program, Carm lost five pounds, two inches off her waist, and two inches off her hips. And again, this is in 10 days. We didn't count calories. We didn't count macros. We didn't restrict all a bunch of foods. She ate carbs. And we actually built health around her lifestyle using the five program keys that we use to accelerate your weight loss, improve your digestion, and improve your health. Now, again, I can say all I want, but I want to read what Carm said personally so I can further relay this message to you. Okay, this is Carm's words. I've tried so many other diet plans in the past and had no success. I work in an office, I sit a lot, and it's so busy, I never have the time to work out. But after just 10 days of eating differently than before and following the eating plan, the pounds started disappearing. I lost five pounds in just 10 days, plus I was down two inches on my waist and hips. And the best part, I didn't even exercise one time. 
I also noticed I felt less sluggish and had more energy throughout the day. 10 out of 10, I'd recommend this program to my closest friends and family. Carm, thank you so much. I'm so glad you found such amazing results using our program. And that's why I want to ask you, our beautiful listeners, if you're looking for weight loss results like Carm, but have no idea where the first place to start is, I want to let you know we've opened up some spots for a free one-on-one call with me, Matt Celestio, to see if you'd be a good fit for our new Nutrition Kickstarter weight loss program. Like Carm, you're going to learn how you can lose weight without counting calories, without restrictive dieting, or the endless confusion. When you unlock the info that other Revive Insiders within the Nutrition Kickstarter learn, you uncover the next generation of weight loss that is simple, enjoyable, and lifelong. Now, if this sounds like something you're interested in, I want to speak with you. Now, we only take a limited number of people per month, and we do not accept everyone. Right? If you're not a good fit, I'm going to tell you right at the door, look, this is not going to work for you. I don't want your money. I'm here to make an impact. So that's why on our 15-minute call for free, we'll discover if you are a good fit to work with me and if I'm a good fit to work with you. And as a thank you, I'll give you our exclusive access to our Nutrition Myths Debunked mini ebook absolutely free, just again, as that thank you. So if this sounds like something you're interested in, or even if you want to learn how to work out, we do the exact same thing, but with our movement program, click the link below. You're going to get taken over to our website and the program pages to see our holistic health programs that you can dive into starting today. Now, again, click that link, book your call, and I can't wait to speak with you. I love this train of thought that you're on so much. And I don't know, have you ever talked about the prisoner experiment on your podcast? Mm, Was it like the metabolic ward study or? So basically, I'll I'll tell the study in case this might be someone's first time listening. In that case, welcome. (laughs) But um, basically, I don't remember the exact stats, but what they did was they went to this group of prisoners and what they did was they separated them into two groups. The first group was given just the standard nutrition in prison, whatever. The second group was given enhanced nutrition. So I don't know exactly what that entails, but basically I'm assuming better quality food, maybe some vitamins, maybe some supplements, but they were getting more of what their body needed. And they wanted to see, hey, can better nutrition affect how aggressive or how violent these individuals are? And what they found was that the group that had the optimized nutrition actually had lower instances of violence in the prison. So that is a direct like example of how optimized nutrition can actually impact how we behave and how our brain is operating. So definitely something there with the relationship between mental health and the gut. Yes. I love, I love that you said that because again, focusing on the microbiome at the start of your health journey. Again, I think that's one of the best places you can start. Um, and we usually start with the mindset oh, positive thinking, Oh, you know, all this kind of toxic positivity, but you can't really do that if your gut and your brain, the connection is screwed up with inflammation and all that anxiety and depression. You can't stay positive like that. Like you and I both know if you have an anxious day, there's no way you're going to be happy. There's no way you're going to be calm or positive. So obviously that's going to kind of trickle into the behavioral aspects. Again, throwing you off your journey, wondering why you can't stay consistent. And again, it might not be you making the decisions. It might be the microbes mm-hmm. down there calling the shots. Cause again, it's very influential, right? So now we've touched on how the microbiome really does affect like everything in your life. So if somebody's going to start focusing on this right now, saying, I want to get my gut healthy. I'm dealing with these digestive issues, like you're saying, and all this other kind of bad things. 
What's the first place somebody should look, or even three things they should do to start improving their gut health? Oh, I love this question. Okay, so the first thing I would recommend is look into fermented foods. Fermented foods is a great place to start because it promotes healthy gut bacteria and helps those colonies flourish and regrow. So kimchi, for example, is in a fermented food. It's been used for centuries upon centuries by different um, groups of people. So I would definitely recommend looking into fermented foods. Another thing too is prebiotics and probiotic foods. So a lot of people know about probiotics. It's pro meaning like in favor of biotic life. Mm. So in favor of life. And these are basically foods like yogurt, you know what I mean? That have a lot of great colonies of bacteria. But then there's also prebiotics, which is something that I feel like is less talked about. And I remember when I first learned about prebiotics, I was so confused. I was like, what is this? They spell it wrong. Pre, pro, they spell it wrong. But no, basically what it is, is prebiotics are intended to be consumed before probiotics. And this is because they actually prime your body to be able to use and take the benefits of probiotics into effect in your body. So for example, I can't really remember a great list off the top of my head, but I know a lot of berries are classified as prebiotics. So by coupling these two foods, you're setting yourself up for success. And then in terms of um, final things for the microbiome, I would say like just stay away from highly processed foods. And highly processed foods can be so sneaky so sneaky like i feel like we have trouble even understanding and wrapping our heads around what process even means i remember when i was first learning about process I'm like what i don't even really like i know process means like things have been done to it but like what is a classification of a processed food like you know what i mean processing is anything processing is anytime something is done to a food so for example if i have a zucchini and then i take my zucchini and i make it into zoodles that's technically a form of processing. Obviously it's not highly processed, but it's processed. Mm. Highly processed is when so many things have been done to it that it's become less and less like the original product, okay? So instead of maybe making some zoodles, let's say I covered it in batter and I fried it up and I, I don't know, I put some Parmesan and some like a lot of salt and sodium and whatever. So it's when you take something that's very close to nature and just take it as far as possible from nature, okay? So those are the types of foods that you wanna be avoiding. And I would pay specific attention to our fan favorite, we love talking about this, canola oil. I love it. Canola <laughs> oil. So canola oil, it sounds like a vegetable, sounds kinda good, I don't know, it doesn't sound that harmful. Canola oil is definitely something you should be staying away from. And if you check food labels, you will be flabbergasted, flabbergasted at how, how many food, um, food products, I wanna say food-like products actually, <laughs> um, have canola oil in them. And the reason that this is bad for the body is because it's very high in omega-6s and um, we're supposed to have a pretty even omega-6 to omega-3 ratio in our body. But without overcomplicating it, it just takes our body from a state of balance or homeostasis out of that state, okay? So stay away from the canola oils. They are just not good for the body and they're a form of um, oils that are very common in processed foods, highly processed foods.
And they're also labeled in the grocery store as heart healthy or yeah. health promoting. So that's where you can, consumers get this confusion. Oh, I'm eating, I'm eating healthy. How many friends do we know eating healthy? We, we go, you know, who's to say we're right or whatever. But, you know, there's things that you need to pay attention to. And this, the seed oils are certainly mm. one of them. So it's not just canola. It's soybean. It's mm -hmm. corn. It's anything that's not really olive, avocado, you should probably stay away from, right? I definitely would agree with this. Mm. I would definitely agree with this. Okay. So we've touched on some good practices to get that gut healthy. So that's kind of the first step people need to lay down. Now, it's one thing to kind of follow a plan, follow a program, and just kind of do it step by step. But what this kind of helps or kind of helps us forget is that, you know, what is our body actually asking for? You know, we're on plan, but, you know, maybe your body is nutrient deprived. Maybe you need more carbohydrates than just two grams a day. Maybe you actually need a little more fiber, but it's because it's carbs, you're not eating the, the nutrients your body needs or even sleep or stress or all these other great holistic things. We're so tunnel visioned into this plan or program or these, this blog post that gives us the step by step. So that's really why I really want to touch on tuning into your body. And I think this is a great next step for somebody, you know, okay, we put the practices into play. Now, what is our body telling us? What's the information it's relaying? So can you just touch on what tuning into your body means? Oh my gosh. I was so happy you asked this. So, Tuning into your body is the practice, and I wanna say practice because it's not something easy, it's something that takes work and conscious effort. It's the practice of listening to what your body needs, listening to what your body is saying, and reacting in a way that's beneficial for your entire body. So I'll give you a couple of examples here. The first example I'll tell you, and this relates to fitness as well, it's not just eating, okay? I told you the story once. I was driving and I was gonna go to the gym and I was on the way, I was about to turn right, which is the way to my gym, and I just had this thought occur to me. I'm like, I really don't feel like going to the gym today. I feel like I wanna be outside. I feel like I wanna be in nature. I feel like I want sunlight on my face. Like, that's just how I feel today. And instead of making a right, I made a left and I just went to a random conservation area by myself and just went for a hike. Simple as that. And the joy that I extracted from doing that carried with me for the rest of my day. So that's an example of a time that I listened to my body. It's doing the things that your body is craving, doing the things that your body is saying you need to do. And that applies to not only nutrition, but like I said, exercise. Now I'll give you an example on the food side of the spectrum. I'll give you two actually. Um, so. Do you ever have like a craving for a specific food and you like don't know why? It's not a coincidence. So if you're craving an orange, for example, there's probably something in that orange that your body needs and your body's talking to you like, hey Jazz, you should go and uh, grab an orange because my body needs certain micronutrients in that orange. Or maybe it'll come in the effect of something more subtle. Maybe you're craving an orange creamsicle. But that might just be your body's way of saying, I want the orange, but the creamsicles, the flavor that reminds me of the orange. So I'm craving this, but I really need this. So pay attention to what your body is craving. I find for me, um, when I'm like close to my period, I really crave high iron foods. Like I'll crave, and this sounds weird for a lot of people who might not <laughs> like these foods in particular. I crave kale, I crave spinach, I crave all of these really high iron foods. So that's my body telling me, when you're on your period, you naturally shed more iron with the process of 
menstruation. So it's my body telling me, hey, we need more of this in your body. And then the last example I'll give you, and this is something we actually talked about the other day, your body too will crave things that match. And this is like Ayurveda. Ayurveda is basically um, can, an Indian practice of using medicine for healing. But basically what the practice says is that sometimes our bodies get in the habit of craving foods that match our dosha. And this sounds very woo-woo, but bear with me for a second. Your dosha is basically like your energy, okay? So if I'm a fiery, spicy person, I might crave fiery, spicy food and it's just feeding that energy. But something that they really preach in Ayurvedic um, medicine and Ayurvedic traditions is you should always feed your body in ways that complement your energy. So if I'm feeling really spicy, you know what I mean? Like I have all this fire, I'm really, really maybe like emotional about something, I'm just really lit up. Instead of going for something spicy, which is just gonna aggravate that energy and build it up, maybe go for something cooling, like a cucumber, mint tea, something that will bring you back down. So I know it sounds very woo-woo, but bear with me, try it out for yourself. See what you think. I know for me, you're not gonna, if you're feeling nervous, you're not gonna go and grab a very high caffeine drink that will just feed the, fl- feed the fire, feed the flame. You should do something calming. Have a lavender tea, have a chamomile. So we understand it intuitively, but also we need to put it into practice with our nutrition. Mm, and this all stems from just tuning in, listening to what the body's actually saying, right? Exactly. Mm, I love it, I love it. Okay, so we've optimized the microbiome. We're now focusing on tuning into the body. And now, kind of the third step, which I think, again, is fa- very foundational, is dealing with the behaviors that, we, that de- derail us from our journey, which is the limiting beliefs, the negative inner self-talk, the negative critic. And not even just clients that I speak with and work with, even friends, they go, I just, it's too much for me to handle. And it makes me feel like I'm not deserving of the help. I'm not willing or able or even strong enough to go on this health journey. And again, these are all limiting beliefs that you program. So I think, again, addressing that negative inner critic, the negative self-talk is a huge component of staying consistent, right? Like having the plan of action is good, but unless you're able to show up with great energy and motivation, it's useless. The plan is useless. Even if it's world-renowned, top of the line, unless you show up, it all means nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where a lot of programs really miss the mark is because they're so focused on the science. They're so focused on the tactics and all the certain steps. But when you understand these are real people with busy lives, they're dealing with traumas, they're dealing with kids, family, life, all these other things. So how can we really build health into their lifestyle and make them feel comfortable around it? And again, that really starts with addressing what's going on up here. Right. So can you just for someone struggling with that, like saying, you know, they struggle with saying no to whether their friends are going out for food that's unhealthy mm-hmm. or they're doing practices that don't really benefit them, but they don't feel like they deserve it or they don't feel like they're deserving of health. What would you say to someone who's struggling with that negative self-talk, the negative inner critic? How can they overcome that or just even change the dialogue with it? Mm. This is such a good question. So what I would start off by saying is before we put a band-aid on anything or before we start trying to provide solutions, let's really understand the problem. Let's Mm. take a step back rather than taking a step forward. If you're struggling with feelings of unworthiness, feelings of insecurity, I really want to challenge you to not ignore those things because that is your body and that is your mind and that is your spirit trying to tell you something. 
there's something you haven't healed. So rather than taking a step forward and implementing strategies, let's take a step back. Why are you feeling these things? Was there an experience or maybe a series of experiences that caused you to feel this? And if we do this digging, if we do this inner work with our inner child, let's say, that's a common word used now, um, but I really do value and appreciate it because a lot of the traumas that we have and a lot of the feelings that we've gotten really used to thinking in our brain stem from childhood, stem from those uh, little T and big T traumas, the big things that have happened, but also the smaller micro things. Um, And I'll give you an example, actually. So I really love using my voice. I love it. I've done speaking engagements and I always just feel on fire when I do these things. I actually wrote it down in my journal as one of my favorite things that I enjoy doing on a continuous basis. Um, So in order to advance my voice, I set out on this goal to take singing lessons over the summer. So I started attending these singing lessons and my very first class was honestly, I was expecting so much fun. I was, I had such high hopes. I was like, I'm gonna be out there. I'm gonna be singing. I'm gonna be having the best time. And when I got there, I was just like, oh, I feel like a little kid so afraid. My throat was tight. I felt like I couldn't sing. And I love to sing. If you ask anyone in my family or any one of my friends, they know I'm always singing. I couldn't sing. And I didn't know, I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave the lesson like midway through, but I, I just stuck it out. I'm like, hey, you got this. I was sweating, it was awful. <laughs> so anyways, I get in the car my mom's like, how was it? Cause she had to pick me up, I didn't have the vehicle. So it was, it was great. I literally felt like a kid. Nice. I'm in the car and I just, I wanted to cry, but I didn't. I was like, it was, it was good, <laughs> it was good. It was traumatic actually, but I was like, it was fine. So I got home and I was like, okay, there's something here. There's something here that I'm missing. So I did this like digging, I did this like inner work and I just literally was writing down in my journal, I'm like, what was that? Like, tell me, universe, I'm listening, tell me what that was. And what came up for me was two things, but I'll share only the one, uh, just for the sake of time. The one experience that came up for me was when I was in elementary school, going way back, I did actually the announcements for the school. And I remember the announcements had like a full script was written down on paper and you go up and you just read the script and it was like good morning lbp blah blah whatever but i had this like innovative idea being the go-getter and the the creator that i am and i wanted to revamp the announcements so i made up this whole new intro this whole new segment whatever and it was like rise and shine lbp and i did it with one of my friends and we loved it we thought it was so fun so creative and then A couple of days later, I overheard these older kids in the hallway. I was in grade seven and they were in grade eight and they were making fun of my friend and I for the new announcements. And they were like teasing it. They're like, yeah, it's so lame, whatever. And I just remember feeling so devastated. I was so excited by this like innovative thing that I did using my voice and I just felt so small. And I didn't realize, but I still carried so much of that pain and that hurt from that experience with me. And I remember later that year when I got the opportunity to uh, participate in a public speaking engagement at school, it was like speech competition, whatever. I literally told my teacher no when he tried to advance me to the second level, which was the gym. And it was because I was so afraid of using my voice and getting judged. So this is an example of the inner work that needs to be done. If you are feeling feelings that are 
of unworthiness, that are of insecurity, do the digging, figure out where they came from because the only way you can move forward and advance and progress is by doing that. Otherwise, you're just gonna keep having that trauma come up again and again. So whatever that means to you, if you have access to therapy, I would recommend it. I think it's a great practice. If you have access to a trusted confidant that you can just sit down and have great conversations with and get real vulnerable, do that. But either way, even journaling, figure out how you can best do the inner work because that's what's gonna change your life. Mm, and you know what, I love that you said, you want, uh, for singing lessons especially, like all the way back when you were a kid, that now you're a grown woman, yep. you're in these singing lessons and your body and your mind are telling you quit, yep. leave, you wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of us really struggle with that for a lot of things. Um, but again, it's good that you found the root problem of that because that's, again, that's where you can start tang- untangling it mm-hmm. and releasing it. And I think that's a big component of kind of changing that inner dialogue and that narrative that you say because so often we get the negative thought and we go, ah, push it to the side. Let me keep going. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you're, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. You're an idiot. Ah, push it to the side. Don't worry about it. So if you understand where those negative thoughts are coming from, when they do arise, you can catch them in the act and say, okay, I know where this is coming from. I'm coming from an adult perspective now. I'm not a kid. I understand why you're feeling this way. And a big practice that I do myself or even I recommend in our program, like we have a workout program where we talk about the self-love of the journey and overcoming these behaviors. I, the, the, exercise you, the exercise I use and tell people is to talk to yourself like you are that kid at that time. And what did they need to hear and say that to them? Yes. And me personally, I do it in my life. I go, you know, man, hey, like, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Like, you're safe. I got you. Like, you are my guy. I'm with you here. Well, you don't need anybody else. I got you along the journey. And it makes you feel so much more comfortable. And again, the thought arises and you release it and then you change it. And again, slowly over time, you're going to get better. It's not going to trigger you as much. And slowly those fears and those negative beliefs, they'll slowly creep away. Now, again, they won't always leave completely. Again, am I perfect? No, you probably know sometimes some things trigger you too. But again, they become more minimized. You become more aware of how to deal with it. And again, it helps you stay consistent, motivated. And again, take on things that you actually want to do. You want to get in the gym? Okay, you're a little insecure. Work on that insecurity. Become more confident. Get in the gym. Get in the weights. Just exercise. And again, you'll slowly notice that everything in your life starts to change for the better. And it really is amazing. Okay, in this section, I really want to touch on how we can stop overcomplicating health, you know, break free from this quick fix culture, and we can start looking at some simple secrets to that that actually improve our lasting health, right? Not just the quick fix, it's the lifelong practice that we can bring into it. So in this section, my, my sole intention, and again, you probably feel the same way, is to really educate our listeners. Because again, we don't live in an information abundance age anymore we're in overload now Mm. there's too much confusion there's too much contradiction and even sometimes me personally like somebody who works in this profession i go i'm a little confused as like you're scrolling down one day vegan's good and then you scroll to the next reel carnivore is good and you go how are you supposed to make a decision so i really wanted to give information here based on health not based on profits or marketing which is so often what we're bombarded with every day right what's what makes the sale what makes the click what makes the money And that's what people are getting their information from. And I really wanted to shine some light so they can break free from this toxic culture, the quick fix and unhealthy culture. So that's why I want to open up with a hard hitting question for you. In terms of health, in terms of lifestyle, well-being, where do you think the biggest problem in our generation's health 
lies? Mm. Oh, I love this question. I believe that the biggest problem would be in terms of the market. I'm going to just say that very generally, but let me elaborate. It is wild to me that you go into a grocery store and it is so much cheaper to eat unhealthy. How is that possible? It is so much cheaper. And it literally makes no sense to me because like we can get apples and then we can get like something with apples, like a Nutrigrain bar or whatever with apples in it. But how are the Nutrigrain bars literally almost more affordable than the apples themselves? The apples have not done anything. They've just come off the tree. They haven't been processed. How is it affordable? You know what I mean? Mm. So I think one of the biggest problems is people are on budgets. That's the reality of the situation. But where we put our dollars each time is a vote. So if we're voting continuously for foods that are not optimal to health, then those foods are going to be the cheapest ones on the market. They're going to be the most accessible. So we need to start voting for and increasing the demand for all of these foods that are health promoting so that we can get a bigger supply of them, more government aid towards them, and so on and so forth. So that's one of the biggest problems that I see. The second is I've looked in quite a bit to uh, what goes on in the States. And this is shout out to Sean Stevenson. Uh, he's one of my favorite podcasters besides Matt in this space. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and he talks a lot about how impoverished communities that receive government aid in the States, for example, the kinds of foods that they're getting. And it's crazy to me to think that the government, who's supposed to be the people that have our backs, are providing these communities and these people who don't have the financial means to get food with suboptimal foods. They get the white breads, for example, that are highly processed, like Wonder Bread. They get the Kraft Singles. They get the apple juices, the orange juices, which are really, really full of a lot of sugars. And... Obviously, these things are just contributing to the issue of disease and health issues in the economy. So what I think is a big issue is just the availability of food and also just the fact that like unhealthy foods are so in arm's reach and a lot of people almost don't understand the consequences of consuming them because a lot of the side effects, a lot of the negative impacts are kind of brushed off and normalized. You know what I mean? So, for example, like, we have McDonald's everywhere. We have Wendy's everywhere. Let's say you work night shifts and you get home and you're hungry and you don't have time to cook. What are the only things that are open when you go on Uber Eats? What? Fast foods, yeah. Exactly. So there's so many people that are, even, uh, I had this Uber driver recently. And um, he was like, yeah, after this drive, I'm just going to stop at Wendy's. And I was like, oh, okay, like, interesting. Tell me about that. Like, do you eat Wendy's normally? And he's like, honestly, it's like just the quickest thing I can grab on the road. Like I'm Uber drive, I'm an Uber driver and I drive all day. So it's quick, it's cheap, whatever. And I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, like not only is this poor guy like literally glued to his seat to make a living, but in addition to that, the only food in arms reach for him that's convenient and like accessible and cheap is food that's not promoting his health. You know? It's unfair. It's very unfair. And again, he probably doesn't even know that, you know, ah, yeah, it's unhealthy. But they, again, like you said, they don't know the extent, the extent to the unhealthy. Oh, it really is. And you know what? One thing that I really took away from that was the fact that you said where we put our money is a vote. Yes. I think that is such a 
great awareness that you can have because I used to work at a food company mm. and again there was a little bit of disconnect when I worked there because we were focusing on marketing a lot of processed foods so my day job I'd be work, working on you know selling crackers and cookies and all this other kind of junk food I would come home and you say hey work on whole foods get you know get away from the processed foods but one thing that was really eye-opening was the fact that you said that vote like whatever is a vote for whatever the demand is I remember remember when matcha became like a big yeah. thing like everybody's oh I get some matcha I get some matcha and matcha is very healthy super antioxidant it's got all these vitamins and minerals providing again you're drinking matcha but the problem again with the market like you said everybody in the company again on like the product innovation team they go how can we get matcha in yes. all of our products so all of a sudden now consumers are going down the grocery store they go oh my gosh matcha cookies and then they put the benefits of matcha and they go perfect it's healthy sure it's not the real thing but again I'm getting matcha from there and we validate it in our head saying I had matcha instead of chocolate chip and again that's where the demand goes again we put a vote down for that we get more and more and more but again the power lies in you know making the right choices and we can influence the demand um, but one thing I really want to touch on again what I think the problem is personally and again you probably will agree with me is the fact that we think that because something is low calorie mm. it's healthy as long as we're under calories everybody's good and there's so many programs that go along with this again the big names I can't say it legal reasons of course but I see even women in my life they're staying away from foods like they're so scared to eat it because oh no it's too high in calories I'll have this and there's a big problem with that because a lot of plans tell you be under calories you can eat whatever you want as long as you're under calories and the problem I have with that is the type of food that makes up those calories is going to determine significantly what your body is going to do perform how it feels how it looks and everything in between uh, and again just to give you an example I think we talked about this too the study where they took two participants they gave them whole foods and processed foods yeah. for 12 weeks and I want to tell the study because it's really cool so if you think processed foods and their low calorie are better than whole foods because they're more dense I want you to listen up they took two groups and they gave them a processed cheese sandwich and the other group they gave them a whole cheese sandwich the study lasted 12 weeks and again they were all eating the same amount of calories calories the holy grail to weight loss and at the end of the study they took the people at the processed food study and they burned 50% less of those calories throughout the day whether it's walking around exercising this and that so to put that into concrete perspective for you let's say you're on the whole foods diet you're eating the calories whatever and it took you 12 weeks to lose 15 pounds 12 weeks okay if you were eating the processed foods it would have taken you double the time it would have taken you half a year to lose those same 15 pounds and again because our culture is so focused on these calories we're neglecting the fact that true health does lie within real foods and don't aren't laden with canola they aren't laden with artificial flavors and emulsifiers and all this and that so again I want one big thing that to help you break away from if you're listening is look at if something is labeled low calorie look at the ingredient list mm -hmm. And if you cannot understand 95% of that, and you can agree with me, you should not be eating that food. Again, am I saying you can't have an Oreo? Am I, am I saying you can't have some cake? Of course not. Just, again, the more times that you're making beneficial choices than unhealthy choices, you're going to be okay. That is so true. You brought up such a hot point, in my opinion. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen personally in my own life, and it's so funny because I have my whole family involved in this whole gambit I'm about to bring up, is alternative milks so a lot of us who are maybe vegan or just like kind of weaning off dairy because it doesn't make us feel good whatever it might be and are leaning towards these alternative milks like almond milk like soy milk whatever 
because the demand has risen, so has the supply, but that doesn't mean the quality of the supply has remained the same. It has evolved very much as our demands have evolved very much. So if you look at the ingredients of different almond milks, I promise you, you will be flabbergasted by the diversity of ingredients in different milks and genuinely how far from nature they are. They are very highly processed, a lot of them. So the one that my family buys, it literally is just almonds, water, and then a little salt. That's it. But if you look at a lot of the products on the shelves, they're sweetened with like 18 grams of sugar. That's wild, just for perspective. A Coke has what, like 40? 48. Yeah, 40 something. Um, you look at what else is in there. There's gums to make it kind of like thicker. There's like all of these additives that make it smoother and creamier so it like mixes in with your milk better. And even if it's only 30 calories, which some of them might be, it's not real food. It's basically like chemicals. It's a chemical concoction we're putting in our bodies. And if you just go back to nature and think about it, we try, if you're in the jungle, you're not gonna eat something that doesn't look like food. You know what I mean? If you're trying to survive, you're obviously gonna choose the things closest to nature, the things that look most familiar, even if you don't know what they are. But imagine if you see a rock, you're not gonna try and eat a rock. You know what I mean? And I just feel like people have just lost touch with the fact that they're not even eating real foods. You know what I mean? Like why would they choose anything besides real foods? So be very careful, look at the labels, be attentive and be a, a very conscious consumer because Yes, the title might seem good. The title might seem like a great option, but if you dig a little bit deeper, you could uncover some things that might be um, kind of pushing you back on your health journey. I love it. I love it. And again, this the biggest takeaway for me right now is like these are such simple changes to just stop eating the garbage. And again, think we t right back to the microbiome, the first step. Where's the food going? Where's that food going? It's going into the gut microbiome. We're just supporting the good guys and the bad guys. And with that processed food, those emulsifiers, all that garbage, supporting the bad guys. So it stems right back from that. And if you're listening and you just remove the processed foods, the garbage you, you know you shouldn't be eating, mm -hmm. within a week, you will feel fantastic. And it's such a simple change. Like you don't need to pay anybody for this information. You don't need a personal trainer. Just remove the garbage and just tell me how you feel. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Now with that in mind, I want to kind of dive into this quick fix kind of culture we okay. live in too. And I'll tell a story of uh, somebody in my life personally. Um, she was dealing with a little bit of digestive issues and she goes, Matt, how can I fix that? I know you work with a lot of people with gut problems or they want to clean up their gut health. I go, here's what you do. I gave her X, Y, Z, simple, sustainable changes. She goes, can I just take a fiber pill? Can I just take a probiotic <laughs> pill? And I go, no, I, well you can, but again, like that's not the silver bullet. Like if you're just eating probiotics and you're not doing the practices to nourish and, you know, kind of grow that beneficial bacteria, it all means nothing. You're wasting your money. Mm -hmm. So a lot of us are so tunnel vision into this quick fix era of probiotic pills, fiber pills, protein powders, supplements, pre-workouts. And again, like you and I know, because we're in the fitness space, we're younger, all the influencers, they got a discount code for something. Mm -hmm. Everybody's taking these things. So we go, oh, if everybody's taking it, I need it. Like, that's what I need. So what would you say to someone right now who believes they need to take these pills, these powders, these pre-workouts and supplements? Oh my gosh, I have so many thoughts. Um, I, I'll draw back to my own life first. I personally, and this might come as a surprise for many people, just given like 
how deep into health and wellness I am. I don't take any protein powders anymore at least and I feel great. I honestly am on zero vitamins. The only ones I take occasionally are omegas um, because I think they're really great for cognitive performance and function and that's it. I don't take anything. I get all of my micronutrients or at least try to from whole foods and I really try and tune into what my body needs and listen to what I'm craving. So for example, I've already identified that tonight I'm really craving Brussels sprouts. And I know that sounds weird, but I promise you guys, once you start getting more in tuned with your body, you will notice indicators like this. They will come up. Once you get your gut in check, your health in check, they will come up. So I would say you don't need these quick fixes because it's just common sense. Let's say you're trying to get in shape. Um, a quick fix, I don't know. Or let's say you're trying to build muscle mass. It doesn't make any sense at all to just go to the gym and lift like a crazy person a ton of weight because you're going to injure yourself. It's not a sustainable change in your routine. You'll probably do it one day. You'll be so sore. You'll be in bed. You'll be in pain. It's not going to feel good. You're going to have this negative association with working out now where you're not even going to want to work out again. And it's just going to be a bad experience versus if you were to just go to the gym, set a goal to do five minutes of exercise. Not only will I almost guarantee you you'll stay for longer than five minutes you'll also if you have a small and sustainable goal start building up a habit and that's more sustainable once you have your behaviors kind of becoming regimented through good habit building and through neuroplasticity which is literally changing the way your brain operates so for example by going to the gym at the same time every day then you're setting yourself up for long-term success because now instead of hitting the gym hating your workout, killing yourself in terms of how you're feeling after. You're going in, you're doing small sustainable things such as maybe a couple of body weight squats, a couple body weight lunges, and that's something that creates a foundation that you can then build up on. So the problem with quick fix culture is you're never setting the foundation. How are you supposed to build a sturdy house if you don't have a foundation? How? Mm. You're right, yeah. When you take the pills or whatever, it's like you're building from the roof rather than You're below. trying to build from the roof. It's impossible. It's impossible. If, you have a, if you're trying to build from the roof, all the pieces are going to come crashing down. And we're not surprised if we're trying to build from the roof. Obviously, the pieces are going to come crashing down. That's gravity. That's a law of nature. Same thing with your health and your fitness. It's a law of nature, let's say, in the fitness industry that you have to build from the foundation up. It's impossible to do anything otherwise. Oh, I love it. And again, that comes with healthy practices, whether that's in the kitchen, whether it's in the gym, sleeping, all this other great stuff. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I love it. But again, we're so tunnel visioned into this quick fix. It's so easy to buy into, right? Again, nobody wants to do the six month journey. Nobody wants to do the year journey. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I do want to touch on for, especially if you're thinking you need these supplements, you need multivitamins, you need all these fiber pills. You got to remember when you're getting the vitamins from these isolated potent chemicals, they're not going to work the same in your body as if you were to eat it from the whole food. So I'll give you a classic example. My family, they're fiends for vitamin C supplements. They love vitamin C supplements. And I go, oh my goodness, do you understand that you're not getting the fiber, the prebiotics, the natural sugars, and all the other vitamins and minerals that come along with an orange that work in harmony with the body that evolved millions of years with the human to give you the benefit of that vitamin C. But instead you're putting a thousand whatever milligrams, I don't even know how much is in the thing. 
you're putting that right into your body. Your body's not designed to take vitamin C. Your body's designed to take an orange, a pepper, vegetables, all these other great things. And not only that, when you're taking these pills and these supplements, it's almost like you believe it's a replacement for the nutrients and foods that will give you all that stuff. So we're walking around here eating these low calorie foods and these quick fixes and these pills thinking we're healthy. Meanwhile, we're so nutritionally deprived, wondering why we can't sleep, why we can't um, get healthy, why our digestion sucks. It's because again, it's health is so simple and foundational. Again, com complex at the same time, but these mm -hmm. simple practices, like you said, that foundation come from eating those good foods, mm -hmm. those whole foods, sleeping well, doing exercises you like, diverse movements, all these other great things. So again, that quick fix route, just derails you and it's 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 a toxic culture to be in especially if you keep continually struggling with it right i completely agree um take small sustainable steps don't try and get sucked into this quick fix culture half of its marketing i would say mm. if not all so definitely prioritize just setting the foundation for yourself and from there it becomes a lifestyle it's no longer something that you're consciously doing it's something you're unconsciously creating so for me for example and I'm assuming the same for you I don't really think twice about half the things I do anymore related to health and fitness my walks I go for walks all the time that's just something I love doing now my body craves it and it's because I've trained my body to crave it your mind and this is the concept of neuroplasticity you basically get to determine how your brain works what kind of habits you build how your subconscious programming is and basically with repetition and with conscious effort in the beginning, you can set the foundation for unconscious behaviors, okay? So if for example, I'm trying to get into the habit of when my alarm rings in the morning, let's say if we use an alarm, I get up right away, it's gonna take effort the first few times you do that. You're not gonna wake up and be like, oh yeah, this habit, just starting it today, it's gonna be great. No, it's gonna take some time. So. What you need to do is put in the initial effort to get the ball rolling with this new habit you're trying to build. And then by the time you get to about week six, they say scientifically, I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> it becomes habit. And you don't have to think twice. When your alarm rings, you just kind of get out of bed. So you have to treat everything on your health and wellness journey like that. If you can take the time to build those foundational habits and then create them as part of your lifestyle, you won't even have to think twice. It's not effort. It's not energy. It's just you doing you living your life so definitely agree with what you're saying make it a lifestyle okay we live in the day and age where social media influencers are kind of delegating this fitness space um recipes advice plans all this other information um, but you said this a while back we we're having tea in my backyard and i don't know if you remember saying this to me but it really hit me and i really wanted to talk about it because a lot of us again get tunnel vision into it and we might not even be aware of it and I'm paraphrasing here, but again, you said the people we look up to may not be fully informed of how their lifestyle decisions affect others. So can you just touch on what this means? What, do you, oh what did gosh. you mean by this? Uh, I love that you brought this up again because I have to remind myself this all the time. So what inspired me to say that was there was a couple of fitness influencers that I followed and they continuously were posting like eating very, very high protein meals in the form of like burgers and fries and stuff like that. And like they would call it a cheat meal. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is something that their followers are like watching on their heels 
continuously. Like everything you're doing, you're setting an example. You're a role model in that space. If someone wants your body, they think that by copying you, they're going to get the results. But it doesn't work like that. We're all so biologically different that even if two people were on the exact same plan or on the exact same program, whatever it might be, they might not get the exact same effects. Even our like baseline levels of weight, our baseline levels of body fat at our most optimal self could totally be different. So what I wanna caution people to do is what's best for one person might not be best for another person. You have to be in tune with your body going back to what we were talking about before to completely understand what the benefits might be for your body in particular. So for example, a vegan diet, which I think is has a lot of great foundational staples, might be excellent for one person, but maybe for another person it's just not feasible. It just doesn't make them feel good. It makes them feel different than it would make someone feel on the other side of the spectrum. So. It's really about, I would say, kind of playing the role of a third person observant of your own body and test things out, see what works for you. I've tried, I'm like basically a guinea pig. I've tried so many diets on myself just to see what would happen. I've been a vegetarian. I tried keto for a bit just to see what would happen. I've done like a bunch of different things just to test them out. Um, I've done higher, carb I've done lower carb I've done higher protein I've done lower protein I've played around with the dynamics and I think one of the most important things is beyond making sure that we're listening to us and not anyone else it's also making sure that when we are um, kind of on our health journey we're willing to experiment because your body is continuously adapting to what you put it through okay Mm -hmm. so if for example with fitness, let's say we always do the same workout routine. You're gonna plateau, you're not gonna see any changes. So I feel like with health, it's kind of the same thing. You have your pillars, you have your foundations, but play around, try new recipes, make it fun, make it creative, keep it engaging for yourself. So I think that's a really great thing to keep in mind and never compare yourself to what the influencers are doing. Maybe use them as a framework, use them as a guideline, see what they're doing, but always take things with a grain of salt. In this industry especially, things are constantly changing. Mm. There was a time when we thought sugar was great for you, okay? Like, they used to promote it as like the best energy source. You'd have it, you're gonna have the most phenomenal workout, be in the best shape of your life. Obviously, things have changed now. We have different knowledge, new stuff has emerged. What's to say your fitness influencers are keeping up with that? What's to say they're actually invested in the science behind it? You have to be your own advocate. You have to be your own researcher. You have to listen to podcasts like this that empower you with knowledge on a continuous basis to keep up with the trends and also make sure that you're doing what's best for you. I love it. A fantastic answer. I think that's a great way to wrap up this podcast. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners connect with you, find you online, and stay in touch? Yes, so... Instagram is a great place. I'm at Jasmine Musa. Um, besides that, I'm not super big on social media, but we have some new stuff coming out. My park workout community, if you're interested, we're always looking for new members. So we're located in Brampton. You can just shoot me a DM. And exciting news, I do have a podcast of my own dropping soon. So uh, more details to follow about that, but on Instagram, you'll be able to keep up. 
Beautiful. Thanks for coming on, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad you stuck around to the end. And I'm so grateful that you took the opportunity and your time to spend it here with me at The Revive Effect. So if you like what you heard today, please, I ask that you share this podcast with somebody who needs to hear the information. Or even if you did like it, please subscribe, give us a like, give us a comment, even email us and tell us what you liked about the podcast. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard today, again, don't be afraid to visit our website, R-V-I-V-E official, reviveofficial.ca to learn more and keep up with all the latest and greatest things that we are doing today. If you are someone who is feeling insecure, they're unhappy, unhealthy, and stuck in fear, I've created the Revive Effect and my company Revive in order to transform you into somebody who is the fitter, healthier, happier you, who is more confident than they've ever been in their entire lives, and who's driven and hungry for growth every day and actually wakes up energized and happy. So give a look over to our website because that's where you're going to find all the latest and greatest information and tools and resources in order for you to attain that and make that vision of yours a reality. So I'm Matt Celestio. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks here on the Revive Effect podcast. Bye.